everybody. It's Jason Martinez, uh, Monday edition of Park Sportsbook Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Give a little uh, ice tea. Oh, half and half. Always good stuff for a while there. It wasn't in stock, but I guess the supply chain issues are resolving, and now we can get our Wawa diet half and half again. Good, just good stuff. Uh, Park Sportsbook Presents Stick to Hockey Live, and we got an interesting episode today. Let me tell you about Parks. Before we get to our guest on the episode, NHL Rumors Daily, which is going to be fascinating as we're starting to see the market begin to set itself in the NHL. But let me tell you about Park Sportsbook because it was a huge sports gambling weekend. Of course, the big game yesterday, still lots of great stuff to get in on. You can get in on the hockey action, college and pro hoops, Olympics, maybe baseball at some point. Who knows? We'll see. It's a bit of a mess there, obviously. And much more. And you got to get it in the action with Park Sportsbook because it's so simple to use. You don't need to be a savant on your phone or with apps or anything like that. Just go to the app store on either your Android or your Apple phone. Download the Park Sportsbook app. Open up an account. And it's simple. Deposit. First bet risk-free up to $500. You won't find a better deal. No promo code. Just download the app. Again, open an account. Deposit. And you are good to go. And you get that $500 risk-free bet. And check out all the different things you can bet. In-game betting, live play-by-play betting, same-game parlays, player performances, exact score, first-to-score, two-score, over-unders on point totals. You name it. It is all there in all the sports. You can do it on hoops. That's always fun. On hockey, that's always fun. You got to find those matchups, though. You got to find those good matchups. That's why you listen to Tone's Takes on Thursdays on our edition with him. He gives you great plays, not just straight-up plays either. Money line, puck, you name it. It's all there for you. So, again, get that risk-free bet up to $500 just for opening an account, deposit, and you're good to go. So download the app, check it out, uh, and also follow Park Sportsbook on all the different social channels, at Park Sportsbook on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as well. You'll get great content there with myself and the Stick to Hockey Live show, of course, and then also the Ajis podcast, which will be tomorrow with Harry Mays, and then also uh, Natalie Eganoff, Sam Wilson, Rich Gannon, Matt Alba, you name it, Eddie Alvarez, just an awesome roster of talent, and we're providing great content, and we hope you guys are enjoying it. So uh, make sure you get on those uh, social channels as well, at Park Sportsbook on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook as well. Um, And on this episode today, I think it's going to be interesting because we're about five weeks away. What is it? February or today's February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day. And March 21st is the NHL trade deadline, which is one, two, three, four, five weeks from today. And we're starting to see the market begin to set itself already. There's uh, rumors out there and reports that Tyler Toffoli is going to be moved. He's got three or two years beyond this year left on his contract. I think at 4.5 million, I want to say. Um, no, 4.25 for Tyler Toffoli. There's obviously the market needs to set itself. And there's obviously some big names out there. Jacob Chikrin, who's got three years term left. You know, Ben Sherratt, Marc-Andre Fleury is a name that's been thrown around and including with the Washington Capitals. Obviously, one of the big ones, a local guy, that would be Claude Giroux. He's going to be a UFA, $8.275 million cap hit. Klingberg, Hurdle is an unrestricted free agent after this year if he doesn't up in San Jose. So tons of players. JT Miller, a point-per-game player. Phil Kessel, who's been mired now in Arizona and still has something left to give. So let's bring him on right now. Uh, you have his uh, Twitter handle, at 
NHL Rumors Daily. Does great stuff and always interesting. And he joins us right now on Park Sportsbook Presents Stick to Hockey Live. What do I call you? Do I call you NRD? NRD works for me, man. I appreciate you having me on. This is long overdue, Jason. Yeah, man. How you been? Everything good? Everything is good. Holding it down in the rumor cave, as I like to call it. Um, it's exciting times. I mean, we just had a big move today with how it's fully going to the Calgary Flames. Is that done action. now? Uh, the trade call has not been placed yet, but according to Elliot, the the entire package is built out. So it's a first, a fifth, um, a prospect, and Pitlick, Tyler Pitlick. Yeah. Boy, Pitlick goes, uh, now I'm going to Montreal for this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Off-season started. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yep. one of those things. You always got to look at the guy going the other way that's going to the team that's selling because the team that's selling, it may be an opportunity for some guys, but other guys like a role player like Pitlick, it's like, damn, man, I, I had something to contribute here and I could have been a piece, maybe not the most important. And you understand it because Toffoli's a good player. But what does this do, NRD, for the for the market? Does this begin to set the market on what the price is going to be, at least for a guy with a little bit of term left with Toffoli? Yeah, and if you look at the market as it is right now, I mean, this is by far and away the first major, minor, whatever you want to call it, intermediate trade that we've had. I mean, we've had some, you know, future consideration stuff happen earlier on in the season with COVID, but uh, this is the first big trade we've had. And I think it's interesting because if you look at this package, you can, not to discredit Pitlick or the prospect or anything like that, but the fifth, the prospect Pitlick, that's all kind of fluff. I mean, we really talked about it first for Tyler Toffoli, right? Yeah, And that's a guy under term. I don't know if that's uh, – I don't know if that um, – I'm trying to put this in the right words here. Comparable? If, <laughs> yeah, terrible. I don't know if it invigorates teams that, you know, the team that we love talking about here on this show, the Flyers, that have rentals in play. I don't know if you're happy about a guy like Toffoli who can provide to the Calgary Flames, and the Calgary Flames are a team that was on the rental market, and they got a guy under contract like Toffoli only for a first. Really, when you look at it that way, I don't know how great you feel about the market after seeing a deal like that. Granted, Montreal selling and they're uh, they're just trying to collect assets from whoever is willing to give them. But as a whole, I don't know how great you feel about the market after seeing a deal like that. You would like to think that a guy under term that can provide top six scoring and uh, Tyler Toffoli goes for a little bit more than that. And a guy who had a lot of success in L.A. as a playoff performer as well. You, you know, the one thing about it is, is this pick top, the first round pick top 10 protected? Is that what I'm saying? Yeah, the belief is it is top 10 protected. Not that uh, I think Calgary is going to end up in the top 10 in the draft anytime soon, but uh, yeah. if, if in case they are, yes, it is protected. Boy, Montreal would hope so because they would end up in the top 10 because they get a, a pick in the 2023 draft then. Their yeah. pick would be unprotected, which would be which is looking like a pretty a stout draft class, It's as it's being called uh, here already, not even had the 2022 draft class yet. You know, when, when you look at it too, is the reason, you know, value goes up with urgency and a deadline and teams get desperate and they start to think they're going to miss out on something. So the value tends to grow as you get closer to the deadline. Is this more, you know, in your opinion, when you look at the value that you got and you said, you said it, it's not, you know, a huge value there, but is that because we're five weeks away from the deadline? Is that part of it? And they wanted to get them in a little earlier. I normally, so now it's interesting that you make that point because you would think, I mean, logic would say that if you're a team like Calgary that wants to bring in a guy like that a little bit earlier and get the jump, there'd be a premium to pay for that. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting in this case that there really wasn't. We have seen in years past. I mean, you look at one team I always like to, you know, use as an example when we talk about sell-offs, right, is the New York Rangers of 2018 and 2019. Yeah. And, and Jeff Gordon, who's now GM in Montreal, completed this deal. He did, a, he did a lot of his work selling off before the deadline and before the week leading up to the deadline. 
And it worked out for the Rangers in the sense that they brought back a ton of assets in those moves to get those players acclimated in their new locations and for all the teams to get the jump on the deadline kind of fever that happens leading up to the deadline day. In this case, we didn't see it. Normally, I would agree with to the point that there should be a premium to pay, um, especially when you're talking about a player like Defoli's caliber or, you know, Giroux or JT Miller that potentially available. If you're a team that wants to step up and make a deal before the deadline and ruin, not ruin, but, you know, diminish the, the chances of a bidding war for the selling team, I would think there's a premium to pay for sure. Yeah. And the other part of it, too, is you, you do you get that player in earlier so they can assimilate and integrate because there's not a lot of season left when uh, deadline day and that gives the team a jump and can help solidify their position as well to get that, you know, added boost into their lineup. And then the other part too, is, you know, with a guy like Toffoli who comes in with playoff success and everything, and he comes into this situation, Calgary looking to really make some noise. They had a great start to the season. Was there noise around Toffoli? There was noise around Toffoli once Montreal kind of bottomed out. Um, The writing was on the wall. That was opening night, by the way. Yeah. Well, (laughs) As soon as they uh, awarded Tampa Bay the Stanley Cup last year, Montreal hit rock bottom. But, um, yeah, no, the writing was on the wall for Montreal to sell off. Now, normally when you think of terms of sell-off, you think of selling off guys that are on expiring contracts. But if you look at the if you look at the window that Montreal now is starting on their rebuild to compete again, maybe four or five years from now to where they they want to be, it just doesn't match with Toffoli's contract or the, the uh, career path that he's on at this point. So the writing was on the wall for Toffoli to be in play. I know Elliot and, and some others mentioned that L.A., possibly a return there, was a fit for Toffoli. But Calgary was hot for him. Calgary has a lot of uh, – they have a lot of things up in the air, a lot of irons on the fire right now. And because they were able to send Pitlick back the other way and acquire Toffoli without retaining any space, they do have flexibility to make other moves. Namely, at the center position, if they send Monaghan the other way, they can upgrade on defense. Calgary has a lot of flexibility um, heading into deadline day despite kind of going money in, money out right now in this, in this Toffoli deal. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, Sherratt's another guy. I mean, I don't know what the future is going to be for Carey Price. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of variables there. We saw what he did in those playoffs last year, leading the Canadians to the uh, to the finals. Let's get to the local guy, because there's a lot of noise around Claude Giroux. And it seems like NRD that it's a fait accompli in a lot of ways that Colorado is the destination. We know Danny Breer was out there this week scouting, and they've been really looking at their AHL team and, and obviously the big club as well. Um, and I say that's, yeah, that's all well and good. That may be a team where he ends up going until it's not. What's the latest on Claude Giroux? The latest on Claude Giroux, and you really touched on it. Everybody's talking about Colorado right now as, as the main suitor. There are other teams in play here. This is not to say that Claude Giroux, you know, went to his representation and went to the Flyers organization and, uh, and said, I only want to be in Colorado. But there are a ton of connections there with Nathan McKinnon, a lot of familiarity with him and, and the type of hockey that Colorado plays and the role that he would probably fit into that lineup in somewhere on the second or third line. But I really do think that Colorado's the hot name and, and for right reasons. There are a bunch of names being thrown around by Flyers fans. I'm not here to come on, you know, a Flyers, a Flyers fanatic show and then kind of throw cold water on guys like Alex Newhook. But it's just not likely at this point, from, from my knowledge and from what I know. You're looking more so at the Yost, at the at the Baron, at the Hellison range of names that could potentially be in play here for the Giroud deal. That's on the high end. But Colorado seems to be the, the flavor of the minute, flavor of the hour right now for Claude Giroux. And I'm interested to see. We just got done talking about how there's a premium to pay, you know, if you want to get a guy in the building a little bit earlier ahead of the deadline. I wonder if right now Colorado's not stepped up to what 
Philadelphia is looking for. But I do wonder if if things start to change and more deals like this, the Foley the Foley trade goes down. I do wonder if if Colorado gets a little bit more serious in their pursuit and really steps up and tries to get this done ahead of ahead of deadline season. Do you get a sense out of Colorado that they're a team that knows that they need to really make a huge progressive step this year? I mean, they've got great players. You look at McKinnon, you look at McCarr, obviously, and Landeskog and Ranton. I mean, they got. I mean, they're a really good team. Are they at the point now where Joe, because Joe Sackick has always been a very patient general manager and waits for the right deal. I mean, we saw it when he dealt Ryan O'Reilly and other players. But you look at it, are they a team right now that is going, all right, our window's here. We have to mortgage something to try and go for it this season because they're that good and they have that good of a chance. I think you have to more so than ever, especially now. Each year, Colorado seems to add another guy to the pool, whether it's via the draft or free agency or, you know, via their prospect pool through the draft that just steps up and plays, you know, an elite role in that roster. And in the past couple of years, that's been Cal McCarr. And now you have to pay Cal McCarr at some point. Adam Fox just re-signed with the New York Rangers, probably the most comparable contract to what McCarr is going to get. And that window, I mean, when you have a guy like that, you have to compete while he's on a, while he's on a short, uh, short term and, and cheap deal. And that's why I think there's a lot of talk, like you mentioned, Joe Sackick's not necessarily the GM that likes to go all in and put his chips on the table. But I think more so than ever, this is your year because of the culmination of the talent that you have. A player like Claude Giroux being available, who is a seamless fit inside the locker room with a lot of the players he knows there. A guy like Cal McCarr on a cheap contract. Jared Bednar starting to coach that team a little bit. You're getting more effort out of Colorado. I think that's something that's sorely lacked. That's a lot of the second round exit jokes from the Colorado Avalanche in years past is the effort that they put on, especially in the postseason. I think those those claims are dispelled now that Jared Bednar has really gotten to that team in that locker room. And yeah, I think now's an opportunity to go for it. I think the only thing, if you're Colorado, that you're missing, especially after a Claude Giroux deal, is just the goaltending. I just think that you have to be really confident that the goaltenders that you have in Pavel Francois in place is the guy to bring you to the cup. And I'm not sure if that's something that I don't know if I believe in that. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, and we know the importance of the position in the playoffs. I mean, it's a different game. You're not going to just run and gun and outscore teams in the playoffs. Teams that are built that way haven't had – look at Toronto. I mean, they can beat you 6-3 to three in the regular season every night. They get into the playoffs in those where every inch of the ice of the 200 by 85 is contested, and it's a different ball game. Now, they're better defensively this year, and Jack Campbell's been good. But, yeah, I, I have that question mark as well. Is it one or the other for them? Is it – upgrade a goaltender or a player of the magnitude of Drew? So I, to my now, so Chris Johnson on insider trading up in TSN, great guy. He mentioned the other day that it is one or the other. I've been crunching. I'm like everybody else. I sit there on cap friendly. I, you know, I find crunching numbers and whatnot, both to, to some degree. And then both alluding to Mark Andre Fleury, obviously appears their top goaltending target. It is possible. It really just depends on the flexibility and what the Philadelphia Flyers do leading up to the Claude Giroux deal and, and whether they have the space to retain half that contract, or whether there's a third-party broker involved, because we've seen trades like that in years past yeah. where a team like an Arizona or a Buffalo get involved and broker another level of retainment to the contract. So it is one or the other if, if this is going to be a straight-up deal for Colorado and Philadelphia or Colorado and a, and a team with a goaltender. But if there are other things in play or other dominoes to fall, then I do believe that Colorado has a shot at pulling off both things. Wow. Yeah, you'd have to, they may have to unload a player in that case, a, a rostered player. Would Sam Gerard be a guy that they'd be willing to part with? 
San Gerard's an extremely inter- interesting case because we've been talking about his name in the room you know, for a better part of three or four years now. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> since he ended up in Colorado from the Matthew Shane deal, Sam Gerard has been in the rumor mill. If if you're Colorado, right, and, and this is so a podcast with Brett Merriman, Cold Stove Podcast. Sorry for the shameless plug, but I have to say, no and we discussed this last week that you know Sam Gerard is one of those players that if you're Colorado and he's been in the room mill, and there are teams that are going to be interested in him, especially because of the way he plays the defense. He's a puck moving defenseman. A lot of teams are going to miss out on Jacob Chikrin. They're going to turn to some other puck moving defensemen that are on the market. But if you're Colorado and you know that this is your year, I don't. I don't foresee a world where if you're Joe Sackick, you want to move him. Unless, of course, the supplemental moves that come in play, a Marc-Andre Fleury, a Claude Giroux, you clear up enough space that, hey, listen, Sam Gerard is expendable in our chase for a Stanley Cup. But if you're not going to be able to get both done, I don't know why you'd give up um, somebody who is flies under the radar a little bit in terms of how, mu- how much we talk about Sam Gerard, but he moves the puck really well, and I think he's a decent asset to have in that blue line, especially come playoff time. Yeah, I mean, he's only 23, too, and he's got years left on his deal. I mean, he's only in year two of, what, a a seven-year deal. So he's tied up all the way through 26, 27 at at a pretty manageable cap hit, too, at $5 million. You know, they're not going to eat any money. It's rare for teams, right, NRD, that when they're in the rental market to grab a guy to make a push, that they're going to take something off their roster to do it. Now, we saw Pitlicko in the Toffoli deal, but um, that's a little bit different, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's very different, and you hit the nail on the head. It's it's very rare to see a team, you know, give up assets. I know you have to spend to get, you have to give to get in this world, but if you're a team like Colorado and you know you really have have a great shot at the Stanley Cup at the end of the year, and you're Joe Stack, Sackick, who's an extremely shrewd GM, and he's extremely stubborn to work on a deal with, he's not going to be willing to give up assets unless, like I mentioned, unless there's a scenario where he could bring in a couple more pieces that round out the roster a little bit better. Then that's a world where maybe like a Sam Gerard gets in play. But other than that, no, it's extremely rare. It just doesn't happen like it used to, especially in the nineties. You saw that more in the nineties. Oh yeah. And the other thing too is no salary cap in the nineties. But um, the other thing is, those deals are complicated. You need a lot of dominoes to fall. That's hard to do right now. (laughs) Yeah. Especially with, you know, we're hopefully out of the water from COVID, but you never yep. know what happens and taxi squads are not in play anymore, but you need the depth in the organization, not only with the big club now. And it's just hard to bleed into the, the names that you have on the roster, especially when there's still a little bit of uncertainty. Hopefully fingers crossed we're coming out of this and everything looks great for the playoffs as it does right now. But it's just, it's in the back of every GM's mind right now, that flexibility with their roster, their cap figure and what doomsday scenario they potentially need in place to kind of to kind of navigate if if we had to go back into that scenario all right if not colorado for Giroux nrd who who else is in the mix here who could you see that nobody's being reported as heavily as colorado and Giroux, but who else could be in this mix for Giroux? you know you look at a team like florida do you look at a team like minnesota maybe la i mean where else do you look here i know boston's been mentioned at, at times as well who else fits the bill and maybe in the equation I think all the teams you mentioned fit the bill. If you're talking Claude Giroux trade, you could even throw Carolina and the New York Rangers into that mix. From what I know, and there's been a lot of speculation about the Rangers and Giroux. From what I know, though, I'm not sure that Chris Sherry and the New York Rangers are willing to pay the in-division tax for Claude Giroux at this point. Maybe yeah. that changes, but I think that's a little high for, for what they're looking to do. But uh, Carolina makes a ton of sense. I know they're in-division. It's a little different, though, when you're talking about the Flyers and the Rangers rivalry and then yeah. Carolina. But Carolina is looking for for an upgrade. You mentioned the Minnesota Wild. The interesting thing about the Minnesota Wild is that they don't necessarily have the cap flexibility to pull things off like the Colorado Avalanche do. 
So there would be a contract probably going out or the other way. A lot of speculation about Kevin Fiala's name potentially being available. He's the type. I, I love Kevin Fiala. I love the way he plays the game. He plays it quick. He plays it fast. But at the same time, if you if you want to upgrade at the center position, bring in Claude Giroux and, and stick him with Kirill Kaprizov, man, what a line would that be? But you have to move some money out. And Kevin Fiala, just an interesting name. I, I'm not sure, you know, it's a little bit more speculative right now. And I know I'm NHL Rumors Daily and NHL Speculations Daily. But if you're looking at Cap Friendly and you're looking at the hit and you're looking at the numbers, there's maneuvers to be made if Minnesota were to get involved in Claude Giroux. But all the names you mentioned make a ton of sense. You look at St. Louis, potentially, if they want to make a move. I've heard they're willing to stand pat and just kind of let the season play out with, with the roster that they have. L.A., Boston, yeah, all great names. And Claude Giroux, why wouldn't, you, why wouldn't 28 teams line up to acquire a guy that has been a proven leader for 15 years in an organization, loyal as can be, continues to play extremely well. I think he's having one of his best seasons of his career this year in, in what would some would say is a lost season for Philadelphia. And, you know, that's going to garner a ton of interest from around the league, whether they're contenders or pretenders or teams that Claude Giroux is willing to wait for. That's what we're all kind of here to find out. But ton of interest in a guy like him. Uh, what about what, what's the deal with Chikrin? I mean, because I look at him and, you know, you got a, a big left shot defenseman under contract for three more years beyond at four point six. Arizona is a, a bit of a mess, as always. I can't even believe the league would let them trade him in some ways. But what's he going to garner? Because there's a lot of teams in the mix. I mean, part of my like five point plan for the Flyers is that they had the word is they they need to get high end talent. That's what the word that Chuck Fletcher used the phrase, and Danny Breer used it as well. And to get high end talent, you're going to have to give up something. So my my thing NRD was this. Here's my speculation as my uh, rumor rumor career begins. Mm-hmm. I said that Montreal or Toronto gets bounced in the first round again. They got to do something there. They have two high-end talent forwards. Well, they have more than that. But uh, Mitch Marner to the Flyers for Provorov and Konechny. And then I find a way to get Jacob Chikorin as my left-side top-pairing defenseman from Arizona in another deal. And that's going to be more asset-driven and draft-pick-driven. Am I crazy? You know, I don't think you're crazy, right? Because Toronto has not proven to us otherwise to this point, right? Like. We're gonna head into this playoff, this uh, this playoff run here for Toronto, and this, you know, every the whisper is gonna turn into screams and and loud noise that Toronto can't get out of the first round again. So until proven otherwise, I think you're spot on with that. Where Toronto is going to have to make some changes if they can't get out of the first round of the playoffs again this season. And they have two other guys that are face of the franchise in Matthews and Tavares. And yeah, and and William Nylander, who can yeah. play both the center and the wing, and is on a cheaper contract than Marner. You'd think that Marner really is the fall guy if they were looking to make a move. Like you mentioned, it's not going to be Matthews Tavares. And Willie Nylander is kind of cost-friendly to the Toronto Maple Leafs, believe yeah. it or not, with the contract that he's on. As for Chikrin, he meshes perfectly with, with the time frame that the Flyers are looking to turn things around, to my knowledge at least, and from what Chuck Fletcher has put out there. I don't think that, whether some fans agree or disagree, I don't think Chuck Fletcher... Dave Scott and the organization wants to tear this down to the studs. I think like, you know, we mentioned this press conference, he wants to add top end talent because he does believe that the pieces are in place with Carter Hart. You have younger guys like Cam York on the blue line. Provorov, if they decide not to move him in a deal for a Mitch Marner or anything like that, he's still there. So they do have some talent. You need to supplement that with more talent. And a guy like Chikrin fits in beautifully at that window. He's cost controlled. I think he's making roughly five, five and a half. 
over the next four years in Arizona. And for, for him, you're looking at you're looking at easily two firsts of value, if not into that three range. And that's just right off the bat yeah. asking sticker price. And who knows what that turns into in a bidding war when you get teams like the Kings, like the Florida Panthers, like the New York Rangers, like the Boston Bruins, the usual you know buyers at the deadline. If they happen to get interested, who knows what the sky is is the limit for the for the price on Chikrin. But right off the bat, it's two first plus in value. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a good player, but that that's I mean, you might as well offer sheet a guy. You're getting close there. <laughs> yeah, but, listen, I am such a big fan of the offer sheets and I wish they happened more. Yeah, I do, too. I talked about that in my other podcast uh, today with Bill Meltzer. Just, uh, you know, it's it's so it's the pain on the back end if you really go with that high end with four first round picks because you may get a player. But the problem is you need those first round picks going forward to supplement your team at the deadline and be able to make other deals to round out your roster. And that's part of the problem. How about Klingberg? Um, There's been some speculation that he'd be a good fit here with the Flyers. We know that Ryan Ellis has only played, uh, what, four or five games this year. And that's really been a huge issue for the Flyers. And Klingberg's out there. He's 29 years of age. Um, He's not going to be staying in Dallas. That ship has pretty much sailed. Uh, He's going to look for a big raise, though, as well, end term. You know, is Klingberg a guy that, you know, you would look to see go to a rental market with the hopes of, that team extending him and maybe conditions on anything, any exchange that's made there. I think he might makes much more sense. Like you mentioned on the rental market. I know that Boston had a ton of interest in John Klingberg going back a couple, couple weeks ago or so when his name first kind of burst onto the scene with the potential trade request and whatnot there. The reason why things have cooled down with Klingberg is that, you know, when Chickering kind of came up on the market and he was a hot name. And then that, you know, as the, as the, world turns, I guess, you know, to put it in the best phrase, there's always new hot names on the market and the teams kind of shift attention. Klingberg has kind of flown under the radar for the past couple of weeks, but he still makes a ton of sense for teams that are going to lose out on Sherratt and lose out on Chikrin. And if you're looking for a guy who can move the puck, but also be really, really steady on the back end. And that's kind of the cool thing about Klingberg is a lot of the stigma around puck moving defenders or they're not great in their own zone, own defensive zone. Klingberg has proven that to be incorrect and he's been really solid in his his defensive zone with his uh, tenure in Dallas so if you're a team like a Boston Bruin team or even the Philadelphia Flyers I mean you mentioned them and we we have a inkling that Rasmus Ristolainen is not going to be back with the club next year especially for what he's looking on in the open market you know likely they're going to at least ask for around the same dollar amount but personally I'd rather Klingberg than Ristolainen so if you're able to move Risto out to a rental team that potentially was interested in Klingberg and kind of achieve two two birds with one stone, kill two birds with one stone there, then yeah, Klingberg makes a ton of sense for a team like Philadelphia too, who's looking to just add talent. And that's the key thing here for for a lot of teams. And that's why, you know, we say this every year that, you know, the deadline's a lot of action, a lot of things going to happen. I think more so than ever now that you're going to see teams like, like the Flyers, like the Devils, like, you know, the uh, Detroit Red Wings, teams that are on the outside looking in, not only just selling assets, but potentially making moves that set them up for the next year or so, because, you know, embarking on a rebuild is a tough process for everybody in your organization. And we've seen that. And look at Edmonton case in point, picking yep. first overall year after year after year is not necessarily a path to success. So if you're a team that's on the outside looking in and, and this year isn't your year, it doesn't mean you don't add talent and you add assets because you can supplement that with a good offseason and a good draft, and you're right back in the thick of things for a wild card spot. Yeah, I so, look at Anaheim and yeah. I look at, at the Kings. Those two teams both had great runs in the in the mid 2010 decade, 
you know, Kings won a couple of cups. Anaheim was always good. Big, heavy hockey recoiled. Both of those teams are much better now by good drafting. And it wasn't number one overall. You know, you think it's Zegris and Drysdale out there in Anaheim and, you know, good players that the Kings did a good job drafting as well. I don't think you have to bottom out because, I mean, look at, you're right. You look at Edmonton, four number one overall picks in what, six years NRD? Yeah. And they're not going to make the playoffs. And they just bounced their coach and they had the best player, most skilled hockey player I've ever seen put on skates in McDavid. I listen, I, I've said countless, countless, countless times that while I will never um, argue anybody that says that Wayne Gretzky is one of the great, the greatest hockey player of all time, I think McDavid is by far and away the most skilled hockey player of all time. Yeah. Um, what, what Gretzky had, you know, between the years with his sense of the game and the hockey IQ, obviously, maybe that'll develop with McDavid and over time, but McDavid is vastly, vastly more skilled. And quite frankly, it's shocking that they haven't been able to figure it out there. But to that point, you know, like you mentioned, Anaheim in L.A., and I'm glad you kind of threw the point in there. They didn't tear it down to the studs. They didn't they didn't sell the house and, you know, everything. So there is chances for a team like the Philadelphia Flyers to just draft well, get back to, you know, adding depth into the back end on the blue line and acquiring that high-level talent and turning things around a little bit more quick than, than some would think right now. And you look at Anaheim in L.A. as, you know, a great case study in that. Let me hit you on three players. Rasmus Ristolainen, Travis Konechny and Travis Sanheim. Let, let's start with Ristolainen. They paid a pretty hefty price, including that first-round pick in last year's draft. Are they able to recoup a first-round pick if they move them? With the way that the market tends to play itself, especially as we approach the deadline, absolutely. Uh, I think that easily you're going to get a team that loses out on, on a Sherratt or a Klingberg or a Chikrin. I think he's more in that Klingberg class of maybe that second tier of guys that teams will look to acquire after they miss out on the big fish. But when teams miss out on the big player, you tend to turn to what's left on the market and upbid that. So I, I don't see a world where Philadelphia isn't able to at least, whether it's a conditional first or unprotected first, I rather I should say, or you know a second and something, which is originally what we thought the price was for Ristolainen when he ended up going to Philadelphia. I think that they're going to get equal value. I don't think they're going to sell Ristolainen at a loss. Um, well, what about uh, the two Travises now, Sanheim? has a year left and it walks them right up to UFA status. Uh, but that's attractive for some teams because you get more than one kick at the can with them. And if you like them and he likes you, you extend them. Is there any conversation around Travis Sanheim? Rather quiet around uh, Travis Sanheim right now. And I think that a lot of that is due to the fact that Ristolainen, or at least quiet in national circles. And I think that's due in part to Ristolainen being the, the rental and everybody kind of looks for a rental when they're buying at the deadline. But if you're Philly, and, I, and I'll ask you this because I, you know, love watching the Flyers hockey. Been around for a couple of Flyers games up in the press box. I'm sure we brushed shoulders a couple of times. But that being said, you're probably more in touch with the Flyers than I am. And if you're a guy, if you have Sandheim in the blue line and you're trying to add as much talent, you know, is there a world where, you know, Sandheim kind of sticks with the Flyers and they carry him right to UFA if they're able to turn things around in an offseason, perhaps? And that's why I think a lot of things have been quiet around Sandheim. What about Konechny? Because th there's some reports out there. I know Elliot reported that they told Konechny that his name was out there last year and they were listening, uh, but they were going to come back with him. And this year it's been a little uneven for him again. Uh, any chatter around him, he's got a, you know, a contract that's not too exorbitant. And he's a player that was an all-star, scored 24 goals in back-to-back -back seasons. And the second one he did it, it was in 69 games. It was basically a 30-goal pace, but he's been uneven and, and way too inconsistent here in Philadelphia. Is there any chatter around his name or is that more of an off-season move? 
I think that's an offseason move. And what Elliot was alluding to, and a lot of Flyers fans obviously know this, Konechny was name was mentioned heavily in, in the Patrick Line air rumors of years past. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that, you know, the Flyers organization got some cold feet there on moving him when, when push came to shove, when the, you know, chips were on the table for a line A deal. And I, I like Elliot mentioned, they, they let the player know that his name was out there. They didn't end up doing it, but you know, the pressure is on to kind of perform here or else they're going to be somewhere else. I still think it's an off season move, especially because it's an interesting move. Like you mentioned, he doesn't have a large contract, but he is under contract. And it's really about the, for him, a player like him. And I liken it, you know, I think he's a better player than a guy like a Jake DeBrusque or whatnot, but I liken it to a similar situation where it's a very particular fit when, yeah. when you're acquiring a guy like that, that's younger, but he's under contract for a while. You have to, when you bring a guy like him in, you have to make sure that he kind of works into your lineup and your vision for the organization, not only for this year, but years ahead. And I think that's why a lot, you see a lot of those moves tend to happen in the off season where teams have a better chance of reevaluating, you know, what they, what they're going to look like in the future seasons. Um, Braun, Jones, all going to be shipped out. Yeah, uh, makes you no know, sense not to, right? You would, you would have, you would think that they'd have to be moved. I know, you know, the fifth round offer from the uh, Edmonton Oilers for Jones, pretty low, and I can understand Chuck Fletcher passing on that. But teams always love goaltending depth come playoff time. Some teams going to step up, might even be Edmonton. I know they have a lot of question marks on what they're going to do in that. I still don't see Edmonton acquiring the big fish and Mark Andre Fleury. So they're just going to continue to circle the wagons until they can get a goaltender for a price they like. So potentially still in play there with Edmonton, but either way, goaltending depth is extremely important, especially in today's times and today's climate. So there's no reason not to move a guy like him. All right. NRD last one for you. And I appreciate the time that you're giving us. This is great stuff. Let's Absolutely. talk about the Flyers coaching situation. Obviously Mike Yo was thrown into a very difficult spot. Game two of a five games in seven days against Colorado Avalanche that night when they played the night before and took over for AV. And it's been, you know, got him straightened out for a little bit in seven game point streak and then a 13 game winless skid again and, you know, up and down a little bit, two wins, now two losses. When you look at the, the Flyers coaching situation, I think a lot of it depends on the direction they try and go and build the team. Is it young players and you're looking at a, a kind of a rebuild retool or is it, pushing in a more veteran direction because there's a different coach for each one of those situations. You know, a guy like John Tortorella doesn't make sense on a developing team like he does with a veteran team that's pushing to win. Uh, What are you hearing as far as names for potential coaches beyond this season, which is going to happen in the off season, but who are you hearing? I mean, the obvious is obvious name is Tockett, right? And there's a lot of question marks on whether he'd kind of leave TV again to go coach. And to my knowledge, yeah, he's extremely interested in the Flyers' job. But much like you mentioned, it really depends on the direction that the team takes in the offseason. I mean, I think Tockett falls directly into the same category as John Tortorella. That if, for whatever reason, the Flyers decide to tear this down to the studs and, and rebuild, I don't know how you know welcoming a guy like uh, Tock and Torch, for that matter, are, are going to be when they, when they come behind a bench of a bunch of young guys. I do really like, you know, we know that Adam Foote was a potential name thrown around. We know that John Torchetti's now on the bench for the Flyers. I do really like that the Flyers, despite not kind of conducting a full-on coaching search midseason, they're looking to or adding, and then you know, looking to in the case of Foot, actually adding in the case of Torchetti, but adding names and coaching talent to to behind the bench right now and in the system, because you really never know where that guy that's the right fit for your locker room can come from. So if you can get guys like that in the building now and have a chance to evaluate him, much like they're doing with Mike Yo, you know, as the bench boss right now. 
but get coaching talent into the building and evaluate them around the players and around the organization. I think it makes the search much, much easier when you hit the offseason and, hey, we have a bunch of candidates that we brought in midseason, see how they work out in-house. We don't really have to conduct extensive interview processes on them. We could kind of focus more on the big fishes like the Tortorellas, like the Tockets, if we decide to, you know, add that talent and go for it again next year. So a lot of question marks still in play on what direction the team takes, like you mentioned, but I do really like the Flyers' willingness and um, eagerness to add coaching talent now with the uh, with assistant and development roles and then kind of see where the chips lie in the offseason. Yeah, I think the other part that those guys like Torchetti and Footbring is fresh eyes that haven't been here with no history to kind of evaluate, you know, what the issues are uh, without having, you know, that preconceived notion of being here to look at this and really help the management team figure out, you know, what fits, what doesn't, what, you know, who's part of the solution and who's not, um, not necessarily part of the problem, but who doesn't fit. It's a jigsaw puzzle. Do you look at any names like uh, David Quinn or Jim Montgomery or any of those kind of guys? Monty is the big name right now that, you know, there's very, very faint whispers, but I think he's going to surprise a lot of people as the hottest name on the market come the off season. Yeah. Um, if, if, you know, the, the bigger, sexier names, if you will, is the Tortorellas and the Tockets. But I think the, the most realistic big name to end up getting one of these jobs is, is Jim Montgomery. I think, you know, if the Flyers decide to go down that direction and target Montgomery, I think they're going to have a ton of competition right up by 95 with the New Jersey Devils. I think Montgomery is a great coach for what they're looking to do right now. And kind of Montgomery has experience behind the bench on a winning team, not a Stanley Cup winning team, but on teams that have went into the playoffs. And if the Devils were looking to come out of their rebuild, I think he's a coach that can kind of speak to the younger players while also coach the vets. So they're going to have competition if they go that route. But Montgomery stands out, you know, for, for how many years now have we kicked around, you know, Europeans, white whale of Ricard Gronberg coming over to coach. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's necessarily a fit for the Flyers um, and their style of hockey with the way he likes to play more east-west. But then again, it, it really depends on the talent that they supplement the roster with and the fit there. And I think that's, you know, I hate, I hate giving you a cop-out answer, but I think that's the safest answer and it's the correct answer, whether whether it's not a, you know, not a quote piece and not, not, a, um, not a great quote, but it is the correct answer to say, I think the Flyers are at a position now where they have to evaluate what they're really looking to do before they, they hire a coach. Cause there's tons of different coaches out there that changes the direction they go in. Like you said, Montgomery Quinn, Gronberg, you know, there's, there's so many different guys out there for so many different fits. Yeah. And you got to figure out what you want to be and then get the right coach to get the most out of what you want to be and what you have. Uh, NRD, this was awesome. I really appreciate it. The uh, podcast going well, cold stove yeah. pod. Cold Stove Pod is going awesome. We uh, we rip it every Wednesdays with uh, my co-host, Brett Merriman, and I. Having a lot of fun with it. Glad I get to interact with everybody on Twitter. Glad I got to be here on your show today, Jason. I know it's long overdue. I appreciate all the support from you. And, uh, you know, for any Flyers fans listening out there, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I'll tell you that much, at least from energy's belief. There is uh, things will get better. And I'm excited to see what the Flyers do in the offseason. I really the, am. The NHL is always more fun when the Flyers are good. Because I, I agree with that. Nobody's ambivalent. They either hate them or they love them. Even outside of Philadelphia, it's weird. It's yep. a bizarre thing. A lot of Canadian fans uh, are fans of the Flyers that like hated the Montreal team and love the Flyers because they went up there and beat them up. Uh, NRD uh, at NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. We appreciate it. Check out the Cold Stove Pod, and uh, we appreciate the time, man. We'll have to do this again. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. There he is. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, National. Rumors Daily, NRD, joining us on Park Sportsbook presents Stick to Hockey Live. Boy, there's a lot 
to digest there. A lot to digest. Um, you know, the, the market is beginning to set. And like you said, the, the Foley deal doesn't necessarily make it seem like it's a, a great market. Toffoli's a little different, though, because he's got two years beyond this under contract at 4.25. Or I think, it's, yeah, 4, 4.25, I think is his cap hit. And so that it's different, obviously, than a rental, a big difference. But he's a guy that was a part of a cup-winning team, had a lot of success, can still play, top six. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. You know, guys like Tomas Hurdle, apparently conversations have picked up in, in San Jose to extend there. He wants to stay. Apparently the, the Sharks want to keep him. Klingberg's another factor, right-handed D, 29-year-old with Dallas, and that's gone nowhere as far as extending there. Uh, Miro Heiskanen, obviously, the guy that they're going to, you know, shape their defense around, rightfully so. JT Miller, another really good player, two years left on his deal, 28 years old, point-per-game player. Uh, but does Vancouver want to move him? They think they can maybe make a push to get into the postseason under Bruce Boudreaux. So, so many variables here. It's going to be fascinating. Not which, None of which is to mention Claude Giroux, obviously. You know, all the chatter is Colorado right now. We'll see if it remains Colorado or if that gets pushed over the goal line. But, you know, I could see Carolina, too. That would make a lot of sense. Him down in Carolina playing for Rod Brindamore. Bit of an innocuous market. And NRD's right. I, I don't think people hate the Carolina Hurricanes, except for maybe Montreal because of the Cockney thing. But overall, they're not one of those teams that garner a lot of hate. So the in-division tax isn't like it would be for Giroux if he was to go to the New York Rangers. Now, that would be weird. His name's been attached there. That would just be bizarre to see him in that ugly blue New York Ranger jersey. Now, we did see Lindros go from here to New York many years ago. But I don't know if I could swallow that one. I want Giroud to go chase a cup just like most people do. But, geez, I don't know if I want him to do it with the New York Rangers because I don't want the Rangers to win the cup. And I'm not a hater. I just don't want the Rangers to win it. I was brought up to hate the Rangers because we had cousins that were from New York, and they were Islander and Ranger, Ranger fans, and I couldn't stand them. Back to Rot, back all the way back to, you know, guys like Ron Dugay and Barry Beck, Brian Leach, so many great players. And uh, although we did like Mike Richter, we still like Mike Richter. All right, that's uh, great stuff from uh, National Rumors Daily, NRD. Thank him for joining us on this episode of Park Sportsbook Presents Stick to Hockey Live. We'll have another episode for you coming up on Thursday. Not sure who the guest is going to be just yet. Busy week for the Flyers. They'll be at it tomorrow night to take on the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are just surging once again. Uh, that game is on the road in Pittsburgh at PPG Paints Arena. And then they come home for an eight-game, a franchise-high eight-game homestand. And it just doesn't get any easier. I mean, Pittsburgh, really good team on the road. Then you got Washington, Carolina, St. Louis, and Washington to round out the four games remaining after Pittsburgh uh, at Wells Fargo Center to round out February. Then you start with Edmonton, Minnesota, Chicago, and Vegas for the month of March, all at home. Then you go to Carol or Florida and Carolina. It's a brutal schedule. Look, here's the deal. When you're not good, every opposition is brutal. They just got beat in a back-to-back situation by the Detroit Red Wings. Red Wings are improving, but you shouldn't get beat back-to-back by that team, 6-3 and then 4-2. Um, let me tell you about Parks. At Parks Sportsbook on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, 
and YouTube. Make sure you follow their social channels. Make sure you download the app, most importantly. If you're using another service, I don't care what it is, just try Parks. Just get on there. Take advantage of the risk-free $500 bet. Just for signing up, deposit, no promo code required, and you'll get a $500 risk-free bet. So check it out. Give it a sample. I guarantee you'll like it. That's all I'm asking you to do. Download it. Get a little sample. See if you like it. And you will. Bet on same-game parlays, player performances, first to score, exact score, over-unders on points in games. When it comes to hockey, hoops, college and pro, it's all there for you. All easy to use. And again, real simple. Just download it, put it on your phone, open up an account, deposit your first bet risk-free up to $500 with no promo code required. We love it. We use it. Harry will have some plays tomorrow on AGs when we do our uh, Tuesday program uh, at 1.15, I think, tomorrow. And uh, we'll have plays for you on Thursday as well with Tone's Takes. And uh, we'll get you set up and put that $500 risk-free bet to good use. So make sure you download the app, Park Sportsbook, in the App Store. And again, follow them at Park Sportsbook on the social media channels, at Park Sportsbook on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. All the major ones. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode. Everybody, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. If uh, you're an audio guy, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and leave us a rating and review as well. We're going to get some rating and reviews in. We haven't gotten any new ones since we relaunched. So leave those rating and reviews as well on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, Google Play, whatever you, whatever you listen on, and we would greatly appreciate it. And if you're looking to do a podcast, check out my buddies at Wildfire Podcasting. Jim does a great job over there. they got a great studio just outside Philadelphia in Clementine, New Jersey. If you're thinking about a career in sports broadcasting or you just want to do a podcast with your buddies, you got something to say, you want to do it for your business, that's a great way to reach customers and become an expert in your field. Podcasting is the way to do it. And, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of listeners are at your disposal. So go to Wildfire Sports or go wildfirepodcast.com or email Jim. Here's his email, Jim at WFGNJ.com. Jim at WFGNJ.com. Tell them I sent you and your first show is free. Again, visit wildfirepodcast.com. They're great people over there. And I love, love working with them and partnering with them for many years now here on the Stick to Hockey podcast and Stick to Hockey Live. Everybody, have a great rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you Thursday with another brand new episode of Park Sportsbook Presents Stick to Hockey Live.